Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is David Joseph Reichardt. You can call me Dave or you can call me David. Just don't call me late for dinner, please. It's my privilege and honor to read the scripture this morning. It's Genesis 3, 7 through 10. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Nine, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? 10, he answered, I heard you in a garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Genesis 3, 7, 10, amen, thank you. Yeah, Dave, thank you. You can keep that souvenir, just kidding. Dave has like three Aloha shirts. Kathy, thank you so much for being in our food team. What a blessing. Claremont OG right there. Let's talk to Dave. You going to poolside, Dave? Just kidding. All right. Welcome, guys. My name is Drew, pastor of Aloha Church. Good to see you guys. Happy October, San Diego summer for us locals, right? Yeah, beaches are uncrowded now. And hot with the Santa Ana winds. And we got daylight savings coming up, so we got to squeeze out every little bit of summer. And we did. We had our, um, our fall baptism at De Anza Cove on Thursday. Unreal. Perfect weather. Ten people got baptized. Um, so good. <clears throat> Some of those people were little people. And their dads got to baptize them. So cool. We love that. We love being out in the community. So we meet at a school, a public school in the community. And a lot of things that we do as a missional church is being outside of a building. Because church is family, ecclesia. It's a gathering of people for a purpose of reaching people in our city. Amen. So baptisms and poolside is an incredible event. They can't, it's wonderful. Um, And many churches, uh, after, throughout the week, we gather in homes, just like they did in the Bible. Look at that. They met in homes and they ate, right? The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The Bible says that he came to serve. And Jesus' method, we all like this part. He said, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Right? They accuse him of eating and drinking all the time because he's with the disciples and sinners and tax collectors and everybody. So we are outside of a building. And I love that about this church, about all of you who've contributed to the mission of Aloha Church. Thank you so much. Your generosity enables us to continue spreading the gospel, seasons with Aloha in this community and all over the world too. So praise God for that. Um, hey, we are in a new series through the fall, going to take it through Christmas and beyond probably. It's called The Full Gospel. Look at your notes. It said The Full 
gospel because most of my life, and I've seen the, this kind of epidemic in Western church is a partial gospel. Paul calls it the man's gospel, and you're like, man's gospel? And I started hearing this, and I'm like, wait, I've been in ministry for like 20-something years, 30 years, and I think I've been kind of uh, focused in on a partial gospel or on man's gospel. If you've grown up with man's gospel, you might think that the Christian life is about you, your sins being forgiven, so you can go to heaven. You're like, that sounds pretty good, right? (laughs) If you grow under that, you might think the Christian life is all about you and what God can do for you, what the church can do for you. And we know when things don't turn out like that, we see a lot of people walking away from faith. And there's a crisis. And we want to get back to the full gospel. And as we're looking, we've been going through this series. We're going to get there, but we're going to kind of take a few steps back. But in Romans 1.16 says, The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's the power of God for salvation, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So it's for everybody. So if you look in your notes today, that's the first fill in the blank. I was a teacher. I tried to edit this because it was like 20 fill in the blanks. I'm like, I got to, you know, make it easy for you guys. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And a high level, where we're going, many of us, we learned that the gospel is the good news or the gospel is just for sinners. And it starts with, you're a sinner going to hell. And then Jesus forgave your sins, and here's a ticket to heaven. And that's it. But nobody's continued on the gospel. And the struggle with sin, struggle with being the same and stuck and frustrated or exhausted or self-righteous. So really high level, we look through the, the gospel is the promises of Jesus all throughout Scripture. If you look at a lot of Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, the prophecies of God through the Old Testament about Jesus coming as his Messiah, say Messiah. We love the Messiah. He's, right, we say, oh, Messiah, die on the cross to bring us peace. That's a fruit of putting your life in Jesus, peace, because you've gone from spiritual death to life. Amen. And we know that. Many of us have been saved. But Jesus has the work as high priest. The high priest, the fruit of that, brings us power. He fills up the Holy Spirit. That's why he died on the cross. Pentecost is part of the gospel. So we can walk in peace and power. We see a lot of Christians walk in peace, but there's no power. And the final one, which sometimes I've probably always been like, oh, yeah, that's for another day. Jesus coming back, returning king, coming for his bride. And that brings us purity, right? Many believers still walk without purity. Sometimes their lives look the same. They know they're saved, but that's it. So we want to continue on. In a full discipleship, our vision is full life in Christ, abundant life, full life, full gospel. You guys with me? Let's pray. That's a lot of content, a lot of theology. But thank God that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, right? The Holy Spirit is the one that illuminates your mind to Scripture when we read it. You're like, oh, it's like a flashlight. We're going to read Genesis 3 today, and you might be familiar with it. But I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit just illuminates it and can uh, penetrate your heart. So Holy Spirit, we ask you, we know that you're here. For some of us, maybe we've had a hard heart towards the gospel or towards um, church or Christians or religion. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would calm our hearts, would open our hearts to receive a fuller 
revelation of Jesus to give us a broader, a broader picture of Jesus, a broader gospel so that our foundation is strong and not shaky and that we could walk in peace, power, and purity in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Might have been a long time since you guys uh, read Genesis. Um, before we get into the gospel, we're going to do the, like the, set the table for the gospel. Last week we said, hey, before we present people with like, hey, you know what? Here's the, here's the gospel. You're a sinner. Going to hell. So, uh, but Jesus died for you. We go back and say, hey, you know what? There's, in heaven was a loving God. Perfect. Trinity. Triune God. Loving Father. And because God is love, he needs to bestow his love on something, someone. So he created man in his own image to love us. And we see in the garden, God and Adam were co-laboring together. He's like, check this out. You want to name the animals? And he named the animals. And he walked in the garden. And Adam, all he knew was God and God's presence and had this intimate face-to-face relationship with God. And there's intimacy and union and friendship. That's what we see. We never saw God waiting for Adam to mess up, right? Full of love. And then today we see, we're still in the garden, we're going to see the fall of man. And from, I live with a long understanding that, you know, um, as many of us do, maybe we grew up, maybe we inherited this or through our own, like, preconceived ideas of God, is that Adam and Eve in the garden, and then they sinned against God, they messed up, and God kicked them out. And that's why we need a Savior, because we messed up. Maybe that's what you heard. Let's read the Bible. I'm going to go kind of slow, and I pulled out some verses. Does that make sense? So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 3. If not, it's going to be up here on the screen. I try to make it really big because my eyes are bad. Can you see that in the back, Mike? Pretty good? Okay. You're my age. All right. The title of the sermon is called, Where Are You? Where are you? Four questions I want to answer today up here is, what really happened in the fall of man? Sometimes we think we know, but let's, what's really happened. Uh, what was God's initial reaction after Adam and Eve disobeyed? Was he angry? Was he disappointed? What was his initial reaction? <clears throat> what is the root of man's disobedience? So what's the root of man's disobedience? Was it willful or was it attributed to something else? And then finally, this kind of gives it away. How does the knowledge of good and evil affect your relationship with God and with others? So that's where we're going, okay? So first, Genesis 2.25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Put that in there. Naked and felt no shame. Why no shame? Because all they knew was God. That's how they're made. They didn't see their nakedness, and they saw God. They saw God's glory. They didn't have a bone of evil in them because God created them perfect. And that's, where, that's, that's important to know. <clears throat> then we get to Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent, say serpent, that's the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman... Did God really say, so creating doubt right there, did God really say, 
you must not eat from any of the tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. He said, or you will die. The serpent said, you will not certainly die to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. Say, eyes will be opened. Eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So what was Adam told to do when he, uh, God said, what he was told to do, rhetorical question, he was told to work the ground. And then God gave Adam authority and dominion over every living thing. So Adam had authority and dominion even over the serpent, correct? The serpent doesn't go to Adam. The serpent goes to Eve. And he says, does God really say this? So he causes doubt. He says, you won't die and your eyes will be opened and be like God. So question, were, were Adam and Eve like God already? Yes. He created them in his own image to be like us, Right? But they weren't like God in this way, with their eyes open, with the knowledge of good and evil, right? Okay. You with me? Okay. So Satan said, God knows that your eyes would be open, you have the knowledge of good and evil. Was that true? Yes. God did know this. So that wasn't a lie. What was the lie? they would certainly die because there was a death associated with their eyes being open the knowledge of good and evil and we'll get to that they didn't die immediately but we'll get to that you guys following okay genesis 3 i'll speed up because this is genesis when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized, right there, they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees, fig leaves together, and made a covering for them. So this is where Adam and Eve disobeyed God. He told them not to eat from the tree, and they did. But uh, when we read this, we say, why did Adam and Eve disobey? Do we see that Adam and Eve wanted to live apart from God? All they knew was God. So that the Bible doesn't show to me that they wanted to live apart from God. Okay? You can, you can read this. So I don't, we don't see, I don't see uh, the willful disobedience. If it was willful disobedience, then God must have had put that in them before. Willful disobedience wasn't in there. So what I'm saying is the catalyst for their disobedience was deception. So point number one, deception was the catalyst for disobedience. Eve was deceived into thinking she's going to be more like God. Willful disobedience comes 
came later, we see in Genesis chapter 4, but it, was, it took time for that like, disease for man to be corrupted. And willful disobedience, we're going to see, starts with the knowledge of good and evil, a divine nature that, we, that wasn't meant for us. But it took time. Like a virus, it spread. And the corruption spread. And thousands of years later, we have years of corruption of this. But it started in the garden with God and Adam and Eve, perfect unity and harmony and glory. Amen? And that's important to see. It's important to see. Because if we think that Adam and Eve had willful disobedience inside their heart, then that doesn't give us hope. So when Jesus comes and removes the sin, all sin from us, removes the sin and fills the Holy Spirit, that's when our theology goes crazy and our misperception of God is thinking like, well, I'm just a sinner saved. I'm still a sinner. The Bible says you're saved or you're a sinner. And we'll get there, okay? So keep coming. This is like our perception of God has so been skewed. This is why we read it, what happens. So what allowed Eve to be deceived? What other, what other condition do we see in the garden that allowed Eve to be deceived? We go back to what was Adam's responsibility? Have dominion and authority over every living thing, including the enemy. Did Adam exercise his authority and dominion over the serpent? No. Okay, he was passive, right? It wasn't like, it's like sometimes... It's what we don't do. This is what Adam didn't do. He didn't do this. He was passive. <clears throat> Result, the serpent deceives Eve, and then he is deceived, and their eyes were opened. So before this, their eyes were what? Closed. Yeah? If their eyes were opened, before this, there was some kind of a closing of their eyes. And we know that some kind of death took place. They didn't die immediately because we're like, well, he didn't die. But slowly, their, their physical bodies did die. They lived to be 900 years old. A spiritual death took place. A spiritual death took place. The immediate awareness of God's presence, the Holy Spirit, that union and intimacy with God's glory, that died. That died. A spiritual death took place and the first thing that they saw with their eyes were what what's the first thing that they saw with their newfound eyes their nakedness their flesh was being naked bad no they're naked since day one right day one naked for years they were naked but they only saw God the opening of their eyes, now they saw with new knowledge their own nakedness. So seeing ourselves naked isn't bad. It's what they did with their new knowledge. And what did they do with their new knowledge? What did they do? They hid. So they judged themselves as evil. See that? They judged themselves as evil. They saw their flesh took their eyes off of God. Stacia has a good analogy. She said they were like this before. They only saw God. And with the knowledge of 
good and evil, they saw themselves, their flesh, and judged themselves evil and hid from God. Do you see that? Mm. And there's something to do. There's something, I think, implied here for parents, maybe men, is that when we are passive with God's word, what happens? Right? The devil, the enemy attacks those we are in authority over. Okay? So it's kind of an implication for me as I'm reading this. I'm a dad, pastor, I have four kids, a wife, and I'm like, man, I want to be passive with God's voice. I need to heed God's voice and have dominion of what he gave me dominion and authority over. <clears throat> that's not in the notes. Yeah, that's men's retreat stuff. Okay, number one, deception was the catalyst for disobedience, not willful disobedience. Okay, Genesis 3, you guys following? Am I following? I'm excited. I've read this like a lot of times. I'm like, man, what? Lord, what do you, what do you want for us to, to hear this in light of bringing aloha along to have a full gospel experience so that we walk in the fruit of a full gospel experience, amen? Genesis 3, then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid, say hid, they hid from the Lord God among the garden, trees in the garden, but the Lord God called to man, where are you? Where are you? I think it's more like, where are you? Not like, where are you? He knew where they were, right? He knew where they were. And Adam answered, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So God hadn't even addressed Adam and Eve yet. Adam and Eve just heard him walking and where they were usually met, probably in the same place every day, Adam and Eve weren't there. He's like, hey, where are you? Where are my friends? Where's our face-to-face fellowship? Where are you? This is God pursuing, pursuing man. Was he angry? Was he yelling at them? Well, he shows compassion and concern. This is God's heart for the lost, right? This would be, as a a missional church who loved Jesus, we want to have that heart for people. Family, friends, coworkers, San Diego, where are you? That's That's a heart of God. Where are you? That's a good God pursuing us, not disappointed, full of compassion. I heard in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Was Adam afraid of God's anger or wrath here? Is that what we read? No. That wasn't even Adam's mind. He wasn't like, I was so afraid you're going to you know, send me to my room and, and, send, and kill me. No. It was a self-imposed fear based on what? The opening of his eyes to the knowledge of good and evil, seeing himself naked. He judged himself evil. He was afraid. Had nothing to do with God. You see that? That's important. That's really important. That's the effect of the human heart. We judge ourselves evil. Okay? Point number two, the root problem of sin is the knowledge of good and evil. It's not willful disobedience. It's the not having the new knowledge of good and evil is the root of the of sin. 
And then this started the downward spiral. As the, that book, Back to the Gospel, it calls it the domino effect. It's just a domino effect. We look Genesis 4 and then all throughout history, the domino effect of a just corrupting man. Eventually, willful disobedience and all kinds of sin that we see today, yeah? The world is obsessed with the flesh, with nakedness. It's obsessed. The knowledge of good and evil. You guys following? So here he goes. Genesis 3, 1 through uh, 11 says, And he said, Who told you you were naked? Like God's wanting to get to the bottom of this. He's still talking with them, right? He still has communion with them. Who told you you were naked? You have, have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent... Who does, that, who does God address first? Adam and Eve? The devil. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Who does, Adam curse, I mean, who does God curse? The devil. And then he gives the first, this is called the Proto-Evangelium, the first mention of the gospel. This is cool, okay? The first mention of the gospel in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Her offspring was Jesus. Amen? Wow. And then what's going to happen? Uh, he, Jesus, will crush your head. When you get a crushed head, done. Make, right? But you will strike his heel or you will bruise his heel. So a heel bruise is temporary, like maybe three days on the cross. A temporary wound. That's what that's prophetically speaking about. Right in the Genesis. Curse the devil. Her son's going to crush your head. Amen. Proclaiming the gospel right here in Genesis. So God addresses the serpent first, not the man. The brunt of God's curse is towards the serpent. Then we have the first messianic prophecy. Then it goes on. Genesis 3, uh, verse 16 through 19. Up here, Caesar. Good job. The woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. The with painful labor, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, because you had a passive voice, because you didn't listen to my voice, this is what he says, and ate from the tree about which you command, you must not, uh, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I, I commanded you, sorry, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground that God cursed Adam. Who would he curse? The ground. So God curses Satan, doesn't curse Adam, he curses the ground. 
Because of you, through painful toil, you will eat food from all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since it from what you're taking for dust, for dust, and you are to dust, you will return. So God curses the ground. This is the part where it's, uh, again, to, to men. We're passive with God's voice. Listen to other voice. God curses everything Adam is, uh, has authority over. So oftentimes as parents, we know like we are passed with God's voice. Those that we are in authority over, dominion over, bear the brunt of consequences. Yeah? So it's encouraging because we also have a part in listening to God's voice and not being passive. We have a lot of passiveness. I haven't done anything. Me and God are good. We're at peace. Okay, that's... You're not committing anything, but you're, it's like sins of omissions, what you're not doing. It's passivity. And what happens, those we are over authority, those we have dominion, often bear the consequences because of our passivity right? Okay. That's, that, that one hits a little hard. Like a water break on that one. But we're good. We're just reading the Bible here, okay? So then Genesis... Uh, for dust you are to return. So God does say, because you came from dust, you return to dust, there's going to be a physical dying here. Man was never meant to die. They're made perfect. Death is the enemy of God. We're going to see why this happens. Almost, we're almost done. Genesis 3, 24. Adam named his wife Eve. Random. Okay, because she would become the mother of all living, the Lord God made garments for skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us in this new divine way. God, knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to eat out of his hand, out of his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. There's another tree. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed in the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flaming back and forth to guard the way to your life. So it's important. Do we see an angry God in Genesis chapter 3? Maybe this has changed your perception already about God. We see a compassionate God, right? Even in their disobedience, we see a compassionate God. Where are you? Oh, you are in shame and you made fig leaves for yourself? Here's what I'm going to do. God kills the first animal and he upgrades their covering. My blood covers them with blood, prophetic, and covers them. So you no longer have to, you know, have the fig leaves. (laughs) He upgrades their covering out of compassion. He's like, I don't want you to live in shame. I don't want you to live in this state of guilt and fear and anxiety and judging yourself evil. So I'm going to banish you from the garden so that you don't take this and live forever in this state. That's out of God's compassion. Do you see that? Out of God's compassion. Out of God's compassion, we have our time on earth is limited. So we have to, this, you're like, I love my life. I love, I, amen. 
right? But there is sin and sickness and disease and death and salvation. Salvation is the ultimate cleansing of, of sin, all forms of sickness and death. Through justification, sanctification, right? Become more like Jesus. It takes time. It took time for corruption, sin to corrupt man. Sanctification takes time, reversed supernatural, faster time to cleanse us. A lot of time is from thinking that we're still sinners. We're so used to the old man. Sin is so comfortable. Israel was delivered from Egypt in one day, salvation. But they took them 40 years of wandering to cleanse their mind of thinking like a slave. Yeah? For some of us, we still think like slaves, but we've been set free. Amen? Come on, church. Right? You put your faith in Jesus. Amen. You went from death to life. You're saved. You're, the pastor told you you're saved. I believe that. That's good. That was supernatural. But then we stayed there because we think that sanctification is on our ability to do all these things and jump through hoops, and that gets exhausting. So the grace stopped flowing to us because we've no longer put our faith in Jesus. Come on. We put our faith in ourselves because we say that's man's gospel. I'll, I'll pause there. Okay? That's, that was important. Full gospel. It's all about God. His grace. Amen? That's good. We're going there. Okay. So Adam and Eve, the problem, number three. The problem with the fall is that mankind became more divine than they were meant to be. Adam and Eve took a divinity they weren't supposed to have. They weren't supposed to have the knowledge of good and evil. See God. They took that, opened their eyes, knowledge of good and evil. They see themselves as naked, judge themselves as naked. Today... With our eyes opened, with the knowledge of good and evil, we judge ourselves naked. We have a false, a partial, a diluted, a confused image of God and us. We're obsessed with self, obsessed with our flesh. We are obsessed with other people's flesh and sin, yeah? But God, gospel good news, he wants to set us free from all that, amen? Amen. Set us free through his son, Jesus, who died and nailed himself to the cross, put ourselves nailed in that cross. Our life was crucified with him. That's what that means. Our life is crucified with Jesus, we die with Jesus, our old life, to raise to new life in Christ, Ephesians. Wheels turn in. So I no longer live in the flesh. I no longer have to be a slave because I have God's righteousness. We'll get to that. God's righteousness is the divine ability to see yourself as God sees you. Amen? Woo! That's in a few weeks. Come back. Don't miss. 
So a question for you for, to take home, to talk in small groups. Um, this is great stuff. It's a lot of content. Talk about it. Don't just walk away with, oh, that was a good sermon, you know, a pretty good sermon. Thanks. You'll forget it. Talk about it. We want to talk about it in relationships. Your left brain hears this information, but your right brain in relationships is where the character formation is transformed. Left and right brain. Let's use our both our, our whole brain. Okay? Information and relationships. That's why we do stay a while. That's why we eat. That's why we encourage you to be in a mini church, a small group. It doesn't have to be official. Official means like on the string with the lanyard. So official, right? <laughs> it's all official. Doesn't have to be Instagram official. You don't got to put your, you put your mini church on Instagram. <laughs> it's, it counts. Get together and talk about this. How has your knowledge of good and evil affected your relationship with God and others? Talk about it. And it's okay to be right where you are because where are you? Don't, you don't have to pretend you're not somewhere you're not, you're not, right? God knows where you're at. Amen? That's freedom. That's so good. So right now, some of you have gone through a repenting process. Repenting means metanoia. means change your mind. Change the way you think about God. So we can repent every day. We think like, I didn't. A lot of times we think repent means like shape up, get your act right, and go to church. <laughs> You're like, that's exhausting. Repent means change the way you think about God. Some of you guys' minds have been renewed today already. And today sometimes may be the day of salvation for you. Like, I'm, I thought God was like this. I thought God was angry at me. I thought I had to behave and do good for his approval. God loves you. You can't do anything to change his love for you. And today is a day of salvation a renewed life in Christ. Amen? So what are we going to do? You can pray something like this. You can pray as the Spirit leads me, and you can pray this on your own. You don't have to raise your hand or come up or check a card or a box. You don't have to do that. You're already giving your life to Jesus. You just want to confess that on this, like, Kairos moment. So it's easy. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I could be speaking to you today. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you just say, hey, Lord... God, I'm, I'm sorry for thinking this way about you and Jesus in my own life. I repent. I repent of my thinking. And I realize, I realize I'm a sinner. And my sin, the penalty is death. Maybe I've been spiritually dead. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins to give me new life. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from spiritual death. Saved from, you know, sickness and, and all that. And you don't have to know what all that is. You just have to know Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. And salvation is starting that relationship, the intimacy, that union that's possible. Amen. Simple. You can pray that. We have a prayer team up here. Worst team, you can come up. You may not even be able to articulate what God is doing in your life right now. That's like the awkwardness of like, come and get prayer. Like, God's moving in your life, and that's okay. Ask for prayer. Prayer team will pray for you because they hear from the Holy Spirit. A couple things. Action steps. Faith is action. It, 
A-L-O-H-A acronym. A is action. Faith is action. Sin puts a gap between what God says and our action. Submit yourself to be one with Jesus. He speaks to you. Action. Some actions. Let's worship God. Let's worship God in this next two songs. Another thing I encourage you to do is you can remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. There's communion. You can ask for prayer. Listen, in the next 10 minutes, we can take some action on this. And then after, you can stay a while and join us for a meal and talk with people. This week, you can reread Genesis chapter 3. If you feel frothy, you can read Genesis chapter 4 and keep going. Talk about that next week. You have the answers. You'll know. Be in a mini church. Start a mini church. Those you brought your friends with, you came with, say, hey, let's get together this week for coffee and let's read Genesis chapter 3 and let's highlight some stuff and write in your Bibles. Easy, slow action steps. For those of you who are new and just joining our church and like, I like what's going on here, um, meet me at the picnic table of even more steps. We just want to offer you help and encouragement because God is a good God and he loves you so much. Amen? He loves you so much. God bless you. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha.